how how you help you? <laughs> now you're just baiting me. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Growing Up Army. I grew up in the Salvation Army. Now, in my brain, that's all I need to say. That is enough explanation. It's so much a part of who I am. I know for anyone else who did not grow up in the Salvation Army, that means nothing. Most people have some vague idea about the Salvation Army. You know, those people who ring bells at the red kettles at Christmas time with some understanding that it's for the poor. And they have thrift stores for some reason. But the Salvation Army has a rich and interesting history. They do great work all over the world, so much more than red kettles and old clothes. The Salvation Army was founded in 1865 by William and Catherine Booth in the East End of London with the motto, Soup, Soap, and Salvation. William Booth was a Methodist minister and broke with the church to focus more on the poor and destitute, believing that you cannot save a soul for Jesus if that said soul is hungry. The army came to the United States in the late 1800s and is now a worldwide organization, a church whose mission is to preach the love of Jesus, to help those who are hungry and homeless, community centers that offer programs for the young and old, alcohol and drug rehabilitation centers, children's homes, homeless shelters, food pantries. It is the first to show up at any disaster ready to help. I could fill an entire page with the good things the Salvation Army does. But because I'm going to focus more on what it was like for me growing up in the organization, I will encourage you to learn more about the great things the Salvation Army does and its history on your own. I am proud of my Salvation Army history. My family goes back six generations, all the way back to England. I have a picture of my great-great-great-grandfather with my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandfather all playing in an army band. And when I say army band, I mean Salvation Army band, because when you are in the Salvation Army, you just call it the army. But that heritage always takes some explaining. My parents were Salvation Army officers. Explanation number one. Basically, what that means is that my parents were pastors. The Salvation Army uses military terms, so pastors are officers. And both my parents were pastors, for you do things as a couple in the Army. They both went to the training college, the Salvation Army Seminary, and studied to become officers, and both were ordained as pastors or officers. Because from the very beginning, back in 1865, Catherine Booth was like, look, women have just as much to say about the love of Jesus as men do, 
So the Salvation Army was ahead of the curve when it came to women. Boom, boom. My dad was a mechanical engineer at General Motors, and my mom was a stay-at-home mother when they decided to become officers. That meant selling their house, their car, and all their household stuff. We moved away from all our family in our small town in Michigan into a tiny apartment in Chicago at the School for Officers Training for the Salvation Army. Here begins a brand new life for my family. We moved a lot because the Salvation Army moved its officers around willy-nilly whenever it felt like it. Or, I mean, after much prayer and thoughtful consideration, moves were often necessary. Now, officers do not own houses or cars or furniture or household items. Each appointment came with a house and a car. So when we moved, we packed our personal items and moved into a fully furnished house, complete with dishes in the kitchen to towels in the bathroom. You never knew what you were going to get. Nowadays, there is a pretty rigorous checkout process to make sure the home is clean and ready for the next family. But in the old days, it wasn't always the case. Once we moved into a giant house that I'm pretty sure the officers before us must have had 257 dogs that they would let outside in the rain to get good and wet and then lock them up in the house overnight to just, just to get the smell right. Now, when I say each appointment had a car, what I meant was a 15-passenger van. Maybe two vans. For going to church, or as we say in the Salvation Army, the core, was not as simple as loading up the family and heading off to the core. There were other people to pick up on the way. Some appointments had cars, but I learned to drive in a 15-passenger van. Thank you very much. Nothing like pulling up to your high school in a big white van with a Salvation Army shield painted on the side. Really, there's nothing like it. The church, or the core, was pretty much the center of our lives. It was my parents' job, so of course they were there all day. It was not unusual for my dad to get a call at night from someone in trouble, and every once in a while we would wake up and Mom would say, Don't go downstairs. There's a family down there that needed a place to stay for the night. We also had lots of afternoon and evening activities at the core as well. As a young girl, I was a sunbeam, and then as I got older, I was a girl guard. That's the Salvation Army's version of brownies and Girl Scouts. As a teenager, we had corps cadets after church on Sundays. Corps cadets was a Bible study and Salvation Army Church history class. Sunday was a long day. Sunday school in the morning, then Sunday morning church service, afternoon corps cadets, and then we had to go back to the corps for the Sunday night meeting. That, I must admit, was not my favorite I would usually try to conveniently fall asleep just before it was time to leave. And sometimes, on very few occasions, my mother would let me sleep. Not often, but every once in a while, the 
worst part about Sunday evening services was that we would miss the wonderful world of Disney, or even worse than that was that I never got to see the whole of The Wizard of Oz. We would get home in time only to see the end. I finally got to see the whole movie with my grandparents, who, by the way, are the very best people God ever created, when they got a VCR. And let's not forget about songster practice or band practice. That's right, it's not a choir, it's songsters. I actually think that is a great name for a choir. What do we do? We sing songs, the songsters. And for the young folks, it was the singing company. Now, the brass band is one of the Salvation Army's defining characteristics. These bands are traditional brass band style, meaning they use cornets, not trumpets, and they have a strange instrument not used anywhere else called an alto horn. The Army has some very fine brass bands within its walls, and some of the finest brass band music is written by Salvation Army composers. I'm telling you, brass band music is some good stuff. Look it up. Most Salvation Army young people are handed a brass instrument to play by the time they are nine years old. I was no different. I play the cornet. A high value is placed on being a good instrumentalist, and I worked hard on playing my cornet. I had the opportunity to play in some very good bands with some world-class musicians. A lot of effort and importance is given to teaching and equipping young people to be good musicians. Actually, not just good musicians. As a young person in the Salvation Army, so many adults poured into my life teaching me and caring for me and showing me the love of Jesus in so many different ways. That's what makes the Salvation Army great. It's the people. Of course, showing up at the public high school with a cornet and not a trumpet took some explaining, but if I may be so humble, I did my explaining through my playing, if you know what I mean. I mean, I was, I was pretty good. That's what I'm, that's what I mean. Another peculiarity is the uniform. A military style dress uniform worn by officers and soldiers alike. Oh, if you are not an ordained pastor or officer, but only a member, you are called a soldier. Of course. The wearing of the uniform is a sign of your commitment to the Salvation Army and its mission. Now, I know this all sounds very strange to someone looking at it from the outside, like it's some kind of weird cult, but it's not. The church doctrine is in line with most mainline churches. In fact, my husband and I are no longer a part of the Salvation Army, and we still communicate freely with friends who still attend the Army, and our parents still talk to us. With that being said, when you are in the Army, your life does pretty much revolve around all things Army. I always knew everyone at our Corps. The Corps would be as small as five soldiers. Remember, soldiers are members of the Salvation Army who are not officers, or as many as a hundred. I think the largest corps I ever attended had about 80 people in total. That included babies, two adults. 
I like a small church. I like knowing everyone. But it was sometimes lonely, especially when I was a teenager. They were not always kids my own age. Fortunately, we had divisional events and summer camps. A division consists of all the other corps in our region. Each division had its own headquarters and its own camp and conference center. And I did my best to attend as many camps as possible. Music camp, girl guard camp, teen camp. And when I was old enough, I worked at camp all summer long. Those summer camp jobs gave me some good work experience and some cute boyfriends. Not only were there divisional events, but also territorial events and territorial camps. Territories were all the divisions in your part of the country. I was in the Central Territory, which consisted of the central states. You know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Indiana, Illinois, so on. The big territorial event was Congress when the new officers are commissioned, those who have been studying at the school for officers training graduate and are told what corps they are going to. Everyone gathers for meetings, and as teenagers, we gather just to gather. This is where I met my future husband. Of course, we didn't know it at the time. We were only 14. All my stories are totally immersed in the water of the Salvation Army. When I tell them, I try to change the terms to normal people terms. I'm very proud of my heritage and believe I am who I am because of this wonderful, peculiar world of which I find myself a part. When other people say things like, it's a Texas thing, or you had to be there, I can relate. So when I say something strange, it just might be an army thing. I'd like to introduce you to my lifelong friend, Lori. Hi, Wendy. <laughs> Hi, Lori. Uh, we've been friends since forever because Lori right. also grew up in the Salvation Army. I was trying to think the other day how long we've known each other. I mean, when we met, and I just always remember knowing you. Right. I cannot remember when we actually met. It's just we've always known each other. That's right. So there was no like, hey, tiny baby Wendy, here's tiny and baby Lori, and we right. met. Because that's, that's probably correct. how we met. Of course, your family probably was a little closer to Randy's family as as far as friendships went than mine because right. your dad and Randy's dad were good buddies. They were very good buddies. In fact, they get mistaken as brothers. That's true. I think it's the uh, shock of white hair both yeah. of them had. That. They do look similar. But that I'm... doesn't mean that Lori and I have not known each other and That's been right. friends <laughs> because of the wonderful organization of the Salvation Army. That's correct. Uh, my parents... Or Salvation Armies, like I said in the story. But Lori, also, her parents were Salvation Army officers as well. I'm also a sixth-generation Salvationist. That's right. All right. <laughs> but your grandparents were also, also yes, Salvation Army Yes, both sets officers. of my grandparents and even one set of my great-grandparents were Salvation Army officers. Okay, see. We go, we, we go deep. We go way, way back. Now, so I talk about how my parents were... Um, 
just soldiers for a while, mm-hmm. and then they went into this went into training. I was about six years old mm-hmm. when my parents went to training, so I actually lived at the training college as a child. Yes, and remember that move. Remember that big transition. Mm-hmm. But that was different for you. Yes, my parents were in training um, before I was born, um, and I actually was born two months after they were commissioned or ordained. Um, as officers, and we moved. We lived in uh, Plymouth, Michigan, which was their first appointment. Right, and that was my parents' first appointment. They were in Plymouth. So go Plymouth! Yay, <laughs> Plymouth, Michigan. <laughs> we went from there to Detroit. What a vastly different world! Oh, yes. right? Little Plymouth, Michigan to Detroit. Detroit, and we lived in the inner city, mm-hmm. and it was after a lot of turmoil. For me, it was still good memories. Sure. I think about some of those things and just memories. I remember, you know, my dad having to go out in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. to help our neighbors or help people in the community. Somebody who was stranded alongside the road. I know that my dad did that often. Yeah. Well, we had the Hells Angels and we're we're talking bombing people's homes. Wow. um, It was all that racial tension and so many things and... Even as a kid, even when that was around, we were, again, a community, and we helped one another. And I never remember feeling afraid. Yeah. Um, and, again, it's because of those people. We were drawn together. And I think, you know, the Salvation Army, it was unique in how we were able to help people. We were able to, people saw it as a safe place, mm-hmm. and they trusted us, and yeah. they trusted the Salvation Army. I don't ever want that to ever end. I don't know what it was, but I remember having a conversation with my dad about the Salvation Army uniform. Mm-hmm. It was probably when I was a teenager and my dad wanted me to wear the uniform right. and I didn't want to wear mm-hmm. it because, you know, you want to be your own self, right. and have your own style or whatever. And he never made me do it. I'm, You know, eventually I made that choice myself to wear the uniform for a while. You know, when he would wear his uniform, because he wore that, uniform all the time even mm-hmm. you know when he was on his own time right of course in the salvation army there's no, no such thing as your own time, time. <laughs> but people trusted that right. uniform and they you know so wearing it people would know that's somebody who's going to help me right i can trust that person right there was one um, young man at one of our cores my dad had allowed him to go to a youth event and this young man had struggled with drugs and everything. And my dad has said, if you have drugs, you're going to have to go. You know, I can't have that. So during one of the meetings and stuff that they had, this young man came up to my dad and took him back to his room to show him that he had bags and bags <laughs> of drugs because he was convicted hmm. by that. And with the help of my dad, he got rid of all those drugs right there and then, and he never went back. I think the Salvation Army gave my dad that unique and treasured, really, relationship with people. That young man was able to trust my dad and and to break a cycle and knew that um, even though he struggled with that addiction, that he could trust my dad. Yeah. For us, youth councils was um, just a fun place to see all your friends. (laughs) Lots of musicals. Yes, musicals. We did do a lot of the musicals, Salvation Army musicals. That was fun because you always got to see your friends from the rest of your division. 
because you wouldn't necessarily have friends at the core. Right. I, that was always a big thing for us. You know, you went to small core and the only other teenager there was your older sister. <laughs> How fun is that? It was great fun, Lisa. I'm sorry. That's right. <laughs> Lisa, you were great. You were great. But yeah, I was fortunate enough that when I was a teenager, we had moved to Chicago and my parents were on, by then, on divisional staff. Okay. But we moved to Chicago when I was 13. So I loved it. It For me, because I before um, high school, I'd gone to nine different schools. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate enough that I got to go to the same high school for four years. You went four to high school in Chicago? Yeah, I went to, well, I was actually out in Elmhurst. I went to York High School. Go Dukes. All right, look at, throw in <laughs> some high school references. <laughs> you know, for the first time, I felt a part. You know, when the St. Louis was special and we had a great core there and wonderful people there. But, you know, when you're a teenager, those relationships are so important. And so it was one of those places where, I was blessed to have those great people in my life and relationships and friendships and unique experiences. And then you had camp and I lived at camp all summer long because my parents position. So that's right. So your parents were youth leaders for a few years. So that's fun. So you got to go live out at camp. Yes. All summer long. It was the best of times. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was always my goal as a teenager, to be at camp all summer, if I could, can I go to all of the various That's camps? right. Wait, what are you saying? I can't go to Boy Scout camp. <laughs> well, and it was great for me when everybody else left. Then those of my friends whose parents were also on divisional staff, we all lived out there. So we would find someone's older siblings to take us into town, and we would go to movies and go to ski shows and... That sounds fun. Yeah. I didn't say anything in my story about the various initials, DHQ, CFO. DCS, DSP, DC. <laughs> so many. I have to find myself filtering my Salvation Army self, even now, even though I haven't been in the Salvation Army for like 16 years, I still have to filter the uh, Salvation Army words. <laughs> it's not songster practice. It's choir practice. Yes. Not in the Salvation Army, so it's just a plain <laughs> choir. I was in band for a little while, but I stopped when I was 15. Well, what instrument did you start I on? played that infamous alto horn. <laughs> the alto <laughs> horn. The alto horn that nobody knows what it is. But it has a great sound. That's all I have to it's, say. It's lovely. So you didn't keep playing. Well, you have a beautiful voice, so I can no, see why you. you would have packed up that alto horn to sing. So that's okay. I sometimes regret not keeping up with it. Bonnie Jodis at, at the St. Louis Crondelet Corps, she was a wonderful lady who taught me, and a, a fantastic musician as well, yeah. who taught me how to play. And, you know, I gave it a good go. Well, um, how many schools How many schools did you go to? Nine different schools up to high school. When I had children, I was like, I'm not moving my children. <laughs> I'm going to leave them here so they can have the same friends all through mm-hmm. school. And we did that pretty much. I they My older girls moved once in their elementary school mm-hmm. years. But for the most part, they have friends that they've known right. all through school. And I was always jealous of that when I would, you know, my cousin would talk about, oh, this is my friend since kindergarten and right. really wanted that. Right. But now that I think back on it, it's, it was just a different experience. It wasn't 
any better or any worse. And if you think about it, we've been lifelong friends. It's just a different way of That's really true. <laughs> That's so true. We just didn't ha- we didn't have the same, you know, we couldn't run down the street. Right. Play. Let's pretend <laughs> like we met in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. And that we've been friends since kindergarten because that's, that's something we've all both of us right. have always been jealous about and wanted to have a lifelong kindergarten. But if you friends. think about it, it's it is it is a lot like that. We have friends that we've known growing up in the Salvation Army. Again, it goes back to that unique experience of growing up in the Salvation Army. Because of that, we have been lifelong friends. And even when we've lived apart, because we have lived apart in different cities, when we are together, we just have fallen right back into. And I find that with a lot of the people that I've known forever in the Salvation Army as friends, I may not see them for years. But then when you do see them, you're like, oh, my old friend. Right. I've known you forever, you know, and you kind of just fall back into being. But as an officer's kid, um, with that uniqueness, that there's no one else who can understand what each other has gone through. Right. Even though our experiences may be different as far as where our parents were stationed and the people where they were um, and how they were gives us a unique um you and I can understand what each other went through. That's right. Yeah, we still ha- we have that understanding of our our past history, that's mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. That nobody else really gets. Yeah. But I suppose that's similar for anybody who sort of has a unique situation and they go through it and but ours is better. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't change it. You know, I think about um I have four kids and they've grown up in the same. Now we, we moved, we've moved only eight blocks from where we lived originally when they were all born and, but they've gone to the same school and they grew up with the same friends and area and community. And, um, and I'm glad that I was able to do that for my kids because I didn't get that. But at the same time, I don't regret anything of growing up in the Salvation Army and being an officer's kid and moving around. Cause I, got this incredible experience right but it made you who you are today i mean i wouldn't change it either for me i think it made me more flexible it made me stronger (laughs) yeah if i yeah i if you think about the flexibility that you have to have yeah it pushes you out of definitely your comfort zone yeah um but it's made me more aware of other people because i know what it's like to be the the new person in town And the new person in church and um, in school and all of that. So I think it makes me more aware and empathetic for other people. Sure. Which I think you would say the same thing yeah, for you. Absolutely. So um, tell me what would maybe be one of your favorite things about growing up in the Salvation Army. All the wonderful people that we got to meet. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely the truth. I could just sit here as we're sitting here talking about the people of the Salvation Army, I'm sort of going through in my mind all the people that had such a big influence in my life, people from the various corps that we were at or, you know, some of the officers Mm -hmm. who, you know, were our leaders. I'm just thankful for all those people that were part of my life. Right. Or they put up with us when... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, put up with you. I don't know. Well, no, I was the good kid. Yeah, we were probably both the good kids. (laughs) Knowing our brothers, we probably were the better. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. I can just think 
right now of people in my life. I can just think of their names and I see their faces like Ruth from St. Louis was a big part of my life. And Bill and Jean. Yeah, and I can think of John and Barb. Barb always likes to talk about how she used to change my diaper and I can <laughs> <laughs> in the nursery. And Doris, who taught me junior soldiers. Chris, who taught me to play my horn. He didn't, yes. he, well, I wasn't, he wasn't my beginning teacher, but when I was a teenager, he saw potential and really worked with me. And Bonnie, who gave me the chance to, <laughs> to learn. Right. And Linda, sitting yes, next to her in Linda. the band. Yes. That was the best. And she still is. <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah. Oh, so many wonderful people. And there was Teresa at our court, the same court that I'm thinking of with Ruth. Mm-hmm. Two Ruths. Two Ruths at that court. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Ruth was a big part of my life as well in St. Louis. Okay. Good. Yay, Ruth. And then in Chicago, I had Agnes and Nelson, my core officers. Oh, yes. And um, I can think of lots of core officers. Now their names are all leaving me because I can only think of their last name. I don't want to say their last name. (laughs) And then, you know, I had Wendy and I had Ken. I was the only girl in the Sunday school class at Oak Brook. And Ken, our wonderful Sunday school teacher, he still calls me his girl. (laughs) That's so good. So many people. Mm -hmm. We can just keep naming people. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. Please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Join us next week for a new episode. Until then, thank you for joining us on Carlson Drive.